Well, hello and welcome again to another HL Flake Security Professionals Roundtable. This is the 10th installment, and today we're going to be talking about inventory and inventory management and why it's important, things, uh, best practices, things that you can learn, mistakes that people have made. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun conversation today. My name is Chad Lingefelt with LockDoc Security in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, it's been my uh, honor and privilege to help host the Security Business Professionals Roundtable over the past. Uh, 10 weeks or so alongside of HL Flake. And so we're excited to be here again today. We've got some guests joining us today from uh, all across the country. So we're pretty excited. We've got David down in Houston. Joel is in Louisiana and John is out in Colorado. We're going to let them introduce themselves here in just a second so we can know who everybody is and uh, where they're from and what they're uh, all about. So we'll do that. And then we'll get into some fun conversation today about uh, inventory management. So David, we'll start with you since you're in the top left-hand corner. Give us a little bit of intro. Where you're, where are you and uh, and who are you? All right. Uh, David Kane with HL Flake uh, in charge of all of IT and operations here. So we leverage the technology to help manage inventory to make sure the products flow out when you order. There you go. Been with the company 25 years now. 25 years. So you've seen a lot. I've seen it change from the original paper order days to the WMS system that we're running today. Very cool. Well, I can't wait to get more into that uh, in, in just a few minutes. I've had an opportunity to visit you guys down there, and you showed me kind of behind the scenes on that, and it was it's really cool stuff. So thank you very much for being here today. We'll jump down to Joel. He's in the bottom left-hand corner. Joel, um, give us a little bit of introduction where you're from and, uh, and what you've been up to. Well, um, I've been in the security business for lots of my business for 29 years. Um, we are full service. We do commercial, automotive, residential. We also got into uh, security cameras and alarms over the last three years to help diversify the business. Uh, I basically uh, dispatch and manage the shop here, and we have five service trucks on the road. Very cool. Thank you very much for being here today. I will jump over uh, to John. John, give us a quick little introduction. I'm John. I'm with uh, Reliance Security out of Grand Junction, Colorado, and um, I do locksmiths and uh, camera alarms, that kind of stuff out of uh, out of the shop here. Very cool. So got some uh, diverse uh, diverse group of, of offerings here today. Um, obviously, we're based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, close to 20 service trucks out on the road and a good split of locksmith and access control or electronics uh, service vehicles. And I can tell you that the, the process that we have learned through uh, – Inventory management has always been a struggle, so it's going to be fun to kind of talk on on that level. So I think let's let's out of the gate kind of describe the the need for inventory, and we're talking about it at a couple of different levels because obviously in distribution, uh, the need for inventory is going to be a little different than a service provider. So uh, David, what does that mean for you guys, and how, how kind of a, a broad overview? I know this is a this a, a big question. Uh, 30,000 foot overview. Uh, how is that uh, a relevant topic to what you guys do? So if you take it to the 30,000 foot level, um, the main thing for us, we have to keep our inventory accurate so we can supply our customers. So we're not making a call at the end of the day saying, for instance, Joel, sorry, we didn't have that product for you when we told you we had it two hours ago. You know, 
our feeling is if we tell you we have it, we want to have it so we can supply you so you can get your job done. That's our number one concern is to be a reliable source for product for our locksmith and security professional partners. Well, that, okay, so that, that definition right there is really applicable to everybody. Yeah, accuracy of inventory allows you to to support your customers, and that's no matter what size operation that you have, and no matter who your customer base is. If you think that you have something, or you don't know if you have something, it impedes your ability to support your customer. Yeah, I agree. You can't provide the service that you were hired to do if you don't know you have the product on hand. Joel, what are your your thoughts on that? Like, how have you seen inventory uh, be a be a hindrance or a help over the years well for us we uh you know i remember back in the day when we were all on paper and we when we switched over to computer system we naturally switched over to quickbooks so that has kind of been a nightmare for us quickbooks is not a user-friendly model for <laughs> you know for inventory purposes so we came up with uh, an excel spreadsheet uh currently because we have a very small building uh and that's our problem so when it comes to inventory, we have found trying to implement an inventory program requires like, uh, you know, inventory management, meaning that it cannot be accessible to everyone within the company all the time or else you're constantly adjusting your levels. And so it's been a struggle for us to try to try to implement that and to find the right system, you know, that fits our company model. That That's very interesting. It's, it's funny. Um, I guess maybe it's not funny, but it's it's ironic maybe from the the overall sense. We've had this conversation in our industry so much, and when you start talking about inventory, people get really, really passionate about it. One, number one, inventory accuracy, counting it, making sure that it's there, applying restrictions to it, making sure that it's, it is accessible to the people that need to have access to it. And then it's also a little ironic that we're all in the security industry and that we're going to try to protect uh, inventory from the people that uh, should be able to access it regardless. But it is the fact, the more hands that you have in something, it's it typically is not uh, something that uh, that is ha- that's got malice associated with it. It's the fact that it's just grabbed because you think you might need it, and then it rides around on the truck, and then that beca- becomes lost. So, John, from your perspective, ups and downs of inventory. How have you seen that to be a benefit or a, a hindrance? Um, yeah, and uh, I'm a single person shop, so um, it's easy for me to manage my inventory. But it is nice to know when my distributor has something in stock exactly where it's at. So being able to pop online and, and log into uh, flake or um, international key supply and actually see where inventory levels are is, is very handy. So uh, when I did work in a multi-person shop, each of us managed our own inventory on the truck and we would call in orders as needed. So, so, so it was kind of a, a self-policing type thing of this is what I, I have, this is what I need. And I get to kind of manage that on my own. Yeah, in that in the previous shops I've worked in, that's or the previous shop that I worked in, that was that was kind of how it worked out. Yeah, Joel, you said you you've got six service trucks out on the road. We, we have five. five. And, okay. How yeah, do, how does that work for your guys? Well, just kind of like John, we we have them police their own uh, vehicles. We're fortunate we have you know good honest uh, employees that work for us, uh, and uh, so it, it's worked out uh, the best it could. However. You know, using that method that we use, like when we go to switch out a van, you know, with a newer one to, to restock it, 
you always find things on a truck that you you know that wasn't accounted for uh that just kind of got lost in the shuffle so that's why i'm looking you know i've been trying to implement over the last six months i'm working with our it uh company that uh that's going to help us do that. He's kind of searching right now to see what would better fit our needs, you know, uh, to help control that. Cause it's just like a, any other shop, you know, any other service vans, you, you think you have it, you go to get it and it's not there. Well, if you need a job, you can't get a job. Yeah. Well, and I, I think what, what we've seen, and I, I want to come back to David as far as an accuracy component um, and, and kind of how you guys handle that, because I think, from what you were, what everybody's saying is, you either think that you have it and you don't, or you can't find it when you need it, and both of those are major frustrating components and an inefficient way to operate. But it's not very, uh, it's not very, um, uh, it's a very typical process for a service business and for uh, for our businesses as well. One of the things that we've seen in our business specifically as we were growing was. Uh, the same thing is everybody kind of self-policed and then it got to the point of you're hiring more people and during a training process. And then that was just one extra level of, uh, of a training component that was very complicated to manage because a lot of times when it comes to self-policing of inventory, it's based off of experience. And when you don't have a lot of experience to pull from, then you only know what you have. And so that was a big struggle that we had through our growth process is knowing exactly what to have. And it's interesting, John, since you you mentioned you were a single uh, man operation, and I'm not sure what your future plans are, but now is the time to set those good practices because you know what you have and you know where things are and you know where to get things from. But as you start to multiply, that becomes a very complicated maneuver. David, I want to jump back to you from an accuracy standpoint, because I think this is one of the things that I know our company struggles with constantly and has historically struggled with is actually getting in there and doing the counts and getting in there and seeing what we have and making sure that the information that we believe we have is actually true. What are some best practices that you guys have seen at HL Flake that would be of benefit for a security provider? One of the main things I think, you know, can go across distributors and the security professional providers is doing, you know, standard cycle count procedures, setting up a schedule and say, van one, I'm going to count van one, I'm going to count it on Monday, count van two on Tuesday and get that habit of cycle counting down to where you know that, hey, if I say I have an M9900 on my van or a DL2700, you know that it's in there and the cycle count process will help you catch it. If it says it's in there and you cycle count it the next day and it's missing, maybe it was sold on a ticket, but the ticket hadn't turned in. So doing the cycle counts helps uncover a lot of issues that you may not understand you have. It could be delay in billing, it could be misplaced. So that's one of the things that we focus on here to make sure that we can provide the product is cycle count. We have guys at each of the branches, that's their job every day. They get in, they start, they run a report, they can random cycle count, they can cycle count by product, and they go out and they handle the adjustments. And on top of that, we have a workflow set up to where if it's a small adjustment, the guy cycle counting doesn't go ahead and handle it, do the variances, do the adjustments. Once it gets to a thir certain threshold of quantity or price, then it gets escalated for someone else to go back and review it to make sure it's not misplaced. 
but barcoding has helped heavily with that process. So barcoding is a fun subject that we can we can jump into. I'm going to put a note on here to come back to it because uh, I've I've had a lot of good conversations or heard a lot of good conversations about that. So I want to jump back to cycle counts because I want to just be like as transparent as possible as our business was growing cycle counts was a new terminology that we didn't really use in our business from a definition what would you how would you classify cycle count for somebody that's never really heard that or had had to deal with that process before so to step back a little bit before we get into cycle count uh one of the things that you know everyone has right we have our top selling products the first thing I would do is rank your top selling products, you know, pick them one through four, one through five, or use alphabet A through D, and then set the standard of, hey, A is a product that moves a lot faster than a D. I'm going to set a schedule, hey, all of the A items, or if you wanted to say vans, right? You know, van number one does a lot more service calls than van number three. Hey, van number one schedule, we need to count it twice a week. Uh, slower servicing van, hey, maybe we only count it once a week or once every two weeks. So set up a schedule to say, hey, based on the product or the uh, velocity of the service calls of the van, set your schedule up that way to get your cycle down. So that is something uh, we were in, in our four o'clock business meeting call that we have on a regular basis. Um, we had this whole conversation about inventory management. And this was one of the conversations that came up that we talked a lot about was ranking products. And um, and somebody came in and said, you know, you, you have your 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 uh, your class A, your class B, your class C products. And then they just kept on plugging along and we're like, hold on a second. What is what are you talking about? What does that mean? And how do you create a definition for that? So what you just said was using it based off of the highest selling products. How would you recommend or have have you seen some best practices on putting what what means it's it's A? I mean, obviously A would mean that it sold more, but how much more than a than a class B? You know, it goes back to your business. Uh, everybody's business is gonna be a little bit different, but a general rule of thumb, right, is the 80-20. You know, you have your certain products that's going to do your 80% of your business, but then your 20% that are going to do, do your 80% of your revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So you break it down that way. So maybe you have 100 products that are your top sellers. They move the most and generate the most revenue. You mark those as an A. And then you go back down to your once a month or once every two weeks selling products and mark that a D. And you come up with a percentage ranking. Is it 80 15, 5, or is it 75, 15, 5, 2? You just have to do the math and set it up, but it's just based on how much you sell it. What's the volume? Okay. So one way to classify it would be maybe your class A is something that you're selling daily. Class B would be something weekly. C would be monthly and D could be quarterly. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to come back to some of the other things that you said here, Joel or John. Uh, do you rank your products that way? I know for us, we this is a new thing that we're trying to implement, so we we haven't quite mastered it yet. But uh, have you operated in in this manner? I, I haven't. No, uh, we went biased uh, by the person who set up a point of sale system in our retail shop to to do that. Uh, our challenge comes. We do a lot of small items in our retail because of keys, mm -hmm. but we also do the larger end items too. Uh, and so it's just kind of tedious to have a bean counter, you know, for a thousand KW ones. 
Yeah. You know, which might last you maybe a month, you know, at the most. And so uh, that's where our struggle has come in, you know, with the bean counters, because we don't have it set up yet to sell to the truck, mm -hmm. you know, and then for the truck to sell back to, to the shop. So we don't transfer that yet. So we're, we're kind of like um, on the front end of that to where we're, we're trying to still get a, the, the product in the right categories to do what we need to do. Gotcha. John, what about you? Um, kind of the same boat, boat as uh, Joel there. Um, if it if it sells well, I stock it. If it doesn't, then if it's something I might stock less of. But like uh, we've been doing a lot more double mag locks lately. So now I've got a couple of those in stock um, ahead for maybe a couple of projects that are coming up. There so, you go. so So basically trying to predict it based off of past purchasing. David, I want to come back to you. From an accuracy standpoint, because I, I think it, I think Joel just made a very valid point, and it's the, the same thing that we've been in for a, a long time as well. So you were you were talking about cycle counts and the fact that you have dedicated employees that come in every morning, pull reports, they can do randomized, or they have a place that they that they go to start counting it. For many small businesses, especially on the service side, I can tell you that the the pushback on that is we don't have time to count our inventory. We're too busy doing a lot of other things. What is your, uh, what is your opinion on that? Uh, you know, we, we struggle with it here when in, in the past it used to be, Hey, we're going to do inventory. People start calling in sick, right? <laughs> I don't want to come in for a whole weekend and count SKUs. So you have to bite the bullet. You have to get a good base count, right? Set your basis for your van or your warehouse, your store. And then from there, once you get your stock cycle counts going, it becomes a lot easier. So you have to make it, you have to think of your inventory. It's an investment, right? The accuracy of your inventory is an investment as well. So you have to make that extra labor time investment to get it counted, get it straight once, and then put the effort in to maintain it, uh, whether it's through the continuous cycle counts or do you maybe make one thing I was thinking of, does each person drive the same van a day? Does that become a procedure? Hey, when you finish the day, maybe you come in an extra 10 minutes earlier than normal just to count your van out. Okay, I know I took this out of the warehouse. I'm not selling it. Do I put it back in the warehouse where it goes? Mm -hmm. Or develop some kind of procedure to check it in and out? That's, a, that's very good advice. So if you take small components now, uh, Joel, I'm kind of toss down to you. Do you. Are your guys assigned to a van or do they kind of grab first available? No, they're all assigned to a van. And, and when we first got into the alarm business, what we did is because we didn't have it, we had naturally a guy dedicated to one van with that inventory. Uh, and so we used that Excel spreadsheet. He was he was accountable to count it once a week. And then the guy who I had a part time guy here at the time who was who was uh, running a front you know front screen farm and making sure that the inventory level was right. We knew exactly what we had bought. We knew exactly what was on the truck, and then as it would get sold, come through the re you know through our inventory in the shop here, then it would get adjusted uh, in, in QuickBooks. One of the things that that uh, I don't know how many people out there are using, and we just got stuck when we took over the business QuickBooks. Uh, QuickBooks Enterprise uh, it, it takes control of it basically takes control of everything, and so you cannot run like point of sale through uh, Enterprise, from what I gathered. Uh, you got to run enterprise through everything else. So it, it's kind of 
the way they set up is kind of backwards. It makes it a little frustrating uh, to get that done. So, Gotcha. So your vans are assigned to an individual and you have had some success with basic weekly countings uh, and to try to adjust that based off of what is being sold. Uh, which, which is, I think, a very good practice. If you if you can do that, and it sounds like that was for a category for the alarms. If we were able to do that as as an industry, if you had if you dedicated the time uh, to counting your your van inventory for a locksmith or door tech on a weekly basis, how much more effective and efficient would that be? And my question is on that because I I don't know that there's a lot of people that are doing that regularly now. My question on that is. What is what is a a estimated loss that we would have? And I I don't know that anybody can answer that question. Maybe unless uh, David, you guys have done some numbers on loss when you come down to inaccuracy of inventory. Hey David, we we can't hear you. I don't know if your microphone is is off. It's it looked like you were saying a lot of really good stuff. <laughs> All right, while he's while he's getting that adjusted, yeah, while he's getting that adjusted, the batteries may have gone dead on his microphone. Uh, while he's getting that adjusted, I'm I'm interested to to kind of circle back to that of what what kind of loss would happen um, if if it's estimated if if you had when an estimated $5,000 of loss annually on every truck, Joel, you know, that starts to add up $25,000 a year. Maybe that's a high number. Maybe it's a really low number. And then until, you know, that's, that's a question that we have batted around in our organization quite frequently. What are, have you, have you run any type of numbers on that? Is that something that you've processed? Um, no, I can't say we really, we've run numbers on it, but we haven't uh, processed it completely to the end. The, the one van that we kept the tightest inventory on had the more expensive material on it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the loss on that van was very minimal. It was, it was like one person. Yeah. It, it was really low. Uh, as far as for the cost of inventory that was on there, at any given time, uh, material-wise, was probably carrying it ranged from five to $7,000 inside the van. So, uh, you know, it was small things that would come up missing, you know, a sensor, you know. $17, whatever. So it was smaller things. And typically the tech had forgot to mark it down because it was under warranty. We had to go back in and adjust it under warranty to get credit. So that was the only losses we had there. I think the challenging part would be for, let's say, automotive locksmiths or somebody who's well-rounded and does quite a bit of things who carries, you know, locks, keys, uh, a variety of things, you know, to be able to see what their top sellers are. And actually what is needed on the truck, because I think for us, our biggest problem with that would be uh, we carry things we don't need to. And then you end up with dead inventory. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the inventory is circulated back into, into the warehouse, you know, or into the office, it, it becomes practically unsellable because it's been sitting on a truck, you know, for a year. 
Most definitely. Well, and I, I think I think that's a valid point. You, and you go back to the the ranking your top products that uh, David was talking about earlier with the daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly. And obviously, you can shrink uh, what you have on hand for your quarterly and, and monthly because you should be able to get that um, in in other places without having to sit it on your shelf or on your van um, to lose that. So I was just kind of running some numbers here. If if your business was purchasing cost $250,000 annually in products. If you lost 10% of that through dead inventory, damaged inventory, misplaced inventory, that's $25,000. If you shrunk that down to 5% to be a little more conservative, that's still $12,500. That's got a, you have a potential loss if you're buying $250,000 with material. I would venture to say, Joel, that's probably close to, uh, to where where you are at that point. So looking at those types of numbers, it I'm wondering does that change when I when we started doing those calculations, it started to change our thought process on how do we get this thing under control because if it is a 5%, if it is a 10% and we start seeing that number change as we start to increase our purchasing, then that's a whole different a whole different uh, game that we're dealing with. Um so Debt inventory is definitely an interesting thing. Getting a good base and then categorizing your products, I think, are, are all valid components. David, do we have you back now? No, they're still working on the audio. So, John, from uh, from your perspective, being uh, kind of a sole proprietor and, and kind of really knowing everything that's going on, do you see value in doing regular counts on your van, or is it just one of those things that could be a nuisance? Um, actually, counts come into another uh, aspect for me too is if I don't have it on the truck and I think that I might, I've got to make a return trip back. So if we're talking about loss, um, there's loss of uh, revenue every time I don't have a key and knob cylinder on the truck that I should have. So other than that, I'm, I, I agree with, with um, accurate counts are, are highly important, not just for uh, worrying about dead inventory, but worrying about no inventory in a particular product that we should stock. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I think for all of us, if you started to to calculate and say, well, hold on, let, you know, take my uh, my annual revenue, divide it down by the number of service visits that I do, and get my kind of average service ticket amount, and that's an easy target, at least to have a viable number to look at. A lost trip could be, you know, what what is your average? One hundred twenty five dollars, two hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars. Now, every time I have to make a return trip because, man, I should have had that and I don't. Now I'm starting to pile up money in that loss category because I've lost productivity. I think that that's a valid point. Yeah, and in my area, it can be uh, I, I might have to drive two hours to get to uh, finish the job that I didn't have the product for. Oh, so yeah. that, could, that could be several hundred dollars in some cases. There you go. Yeah, very, very good point. David, do we have audio back now? I think you should have. Can you hear me now? Yes, you're back with us. All righty. All right, he's back. Sorry, we had technical difficulties here. Right, you're fine. Uh, jumping on that topic, you know, it goes back to, right, if you determine your cost to serve, what's your cost to serve for each tech, for each van? So once you start applying the math, you can see where bad inventory gets pretty expensive when you don't know what's on your truck. Uh, just while you guys were talking and just waiting for the audio to come back on, you know, having the proper inventory on the truck, couldn't that help you dispatch to become more efficient to lower your cost of serve at that point when you have multiple trucks? You're not sending two trucks out because you don't know where the inventory is. Mm. 
That's a very valid point. If you had the visibility to see what you have on each truck as as kind of a live number, then you could say, oh, well, I'm sending this person out to replace four lock sets. This guy only has two on his truck, so that's a waste of his trip to go there. But this guy's got six, so he's got a good likelihood of having what he needs. Yeah, and I think that helps, right? You could provide a better service to your customer at the end of the day. You know, you're not sending two trucks out, you're just sending one. Most definitely. So um, so we've talked about cycle counts. We One of the things uh, that we've got into a very, very deep conversation, um, so I want to kind of keep it as a high level as possible, but we talked about inventory turns. What, David, give us a definition of an inventory turn uh, for those that are watching that may not be familiar with the, with that process. So inventory turn, you look at a certain time period that's in your books or a certain time period in your van and say, let's just take a year and you say, okay, I have, I'll take since M9900 brought that up. I have 10 M9900s and I've sold two in the course of a year. So you do the math on that and say, well, M9900s only had two turns a year. That's a very simple definition, but, you know, keeping it high level. You're looking at the number of times you sold the product in a certain time period, whether it's, are you looking at your turns per month, turns per week, per year? And it goes back to the ranking of your products at that part, if you really want to get granular. Maybe you want to say my A items, you know, I want to get 10 turns out of my A items in a set time period, but you know, your D items, you're only going to get one turn. So, that goes back to the importance of ranking as well, because the ranking is going to play into the turns. Well, and I would also venture to say it goes back to the importance of having a good base count, because you can't rank exactly. one if you don't have a good base count, and two, you're not going to be able to calculate your time periods because you don't know what you have. Exactly. Joel, John, I want to get your perspective, because I know what ours has been. How have you seen... You both are, are engaged in the industry. How have you seen the conversation, the general perspective on the, I guess, the level of importance of inventory management versus the actual time spent on inventory management versus the disdain for dealing with inventory management? This kind of three-tier category. Joel, what have you, what have you seen? Well, that, that comes, you know, as you, like you mentioned, as you guys were growing and expanding, uh, you know, when we were, you know, one van or two van, uh, you know, it was relatively easy. The importance wasn't there. You know, it was like, hey, we knew what we had for a small group of people, you know, then all of a sudden we got to, you know, five vans uh, and, and it becomes rather challenging. And you say, well, wait a minute, how much money am I actually losing? What do I actually have out on those vans compared to what I have in stock in the warehouse and is it getting turned? Uh, and that becomes a problem because you, you end up with like we just talked about uh, beat up inventory, unsellable inventory damaged. Uh, if you're not uh, doing the turn cycle count correctly, if you don't have it. So, I mean, I know uh, our, our vans uh, that we have out on the road right now, not having that inventory in place is costing us. It's costing us, a pretty penny a year not to be able to rotate that not know exactly what is on that van right now. John, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have a $200 piece of hardware that I just found on my truck. 
because <laughs> I didn't know it was there. So, and I can't return it because it's a year old. So it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, uh, like Joel's just saying, you don't know what's on the truck. You, you're, you're losing out big time. Yeah. So, and now when I go to sell that product, it's out of the manufacturer warranty for sure. So now it's, now it's double costing. So if it, if it's something that fails in the next six months, I still have to put the bill for that thing. So as far as, uh, mm. I don't know, mm. it, that is, it is, this is a definitely a, an interesting topic because I've, I've been dealing with it for years. Uh, when I ran a, a store for, um, folks like me who came in and bought stuff from, you know, so I worked for a supplier and mm-hmm. keeping our inventory in stock. And then now transferring that over into it to the, to the tech side is a little different, but it's still, I, I think it's very important. And I hear folks that say the same thing. So I think we can all agree that it is an important thing, but it's something that in the prioritization list, I'm going to just say it from my end. So not to indict anybody else and you guys can give your own opinion, from an importance list, it's like we know it's important and we really believe that it's important, but we actually don't act on it as it's important. So if there's a thousand things that need to get done, that gets moved down to like 999 um, because everything else is more important, even though we feel and we think that it's important and we say that it's important. My, my takeaway from this conversation is when you're smaller and if you have aspirations of developing and growing a business. This is a major fundamental foundational component. If you don't get it right in the early stages, it's going to it's going to come back and bite you at some point. Uh, and it will be very, very frustrating. And it's not going to get better as you scale. It's going to get significantly worse as you scale. What are your thoughts on that, David? You look like you're about to jump in there. Oh, no, I would wholeheartedly agree there, right? As we went, uh, being here so long at Flake, I remember when we had X amount of SKUs, right? 5,000. And we grew to 10. Then we're at 20, 25, when we finally started implementing the WMS. And it was a nightmare trying to keep those 25,000 SKUs going, just pen and paper, right? Um, Then we went to the WMS, and now we're over 40,000, and we're able to take really tight inventories and our inventory controls when we run up through the year we can say okay we were off 0.001 percent on a items so we have that kind of visibility now into the system and as you scale you definitely need something to manage your inventory most definitely so let's get tactical here all right that's one of my favorite parts of having these types of conversations so we've kind of talked theory we've talked kind of talked facts let's get tactical I am a, a small business owner. I am a sole proprietor. I've got two or three trucks wherever I'm in. Okay, I got it. Inventory is important. I don't have software to deal with it. I don't have time to think about software to deal with it. What are my first steps? I've got a bunch of widgets and gadgets. I've got vans. I've got a warehouse. I've got a storage container. I've just got a bunch of junk. What is step number one? I go for the KISS method. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I, I go for the KISS method is keep it as simple as possible. Um, so on a storage bin, I have the number of items that should be stocked in that bin. I just have it written on the top there. And when I notice that thing drops, um, maybe I have a minimum and a maximum. 
And when it hits that minimum number, then I'm writing it down on a piece of paper, shooting a text message to my supplier, shooting off an email, something like that. So that's then it's right there at the bin. I don't have to worry about thinking um, into software, which I've tried a couple different softwares. And like uh, Joel was saying, uh, QuickBooks is a nightmare. Um, and then I've used some independent uh, softwares on the phone that scan barcodes. You can add in your own stuff and all that, but it just takes up time where a piece of paper written down right on the bin is, is very helpful. So starting point, put your number on there. I want to keep five of these. I want to keep 50 of these. I want to keep whatever. And if it drops below this certain number, so I can have my max, I don't want to have more than a hundred, but I don't want to have less than 25. And as soon as it hits to that point, write it down on a notepad, write it down on a dry erase board that you've got mounted in your van, wherever it's at. And you can easily keep track of that and then set some regularity to replace those, those parts. Yep. That's, that's typically what I do. All right. So once that process is, is expanded and, and now you've got a couple of people, now you have to, everybody's got to remember to do the same thing. It sounds like Joel started with a spreadsheet. Joel, what was the process for taking and implementing that spreadsheet for you? Cause that's, it's using software, but it's more of a, a, a manual process taking outside of the automation side. What was that process like for you guys? Well, you know, for us, we, we actually started it and, and it got to be such a, a hassle to keep up with it. We, we dropped the ball on it. You know, once the hardest thing is like David was, David was saying, getting all the inventory in those categories and deciding on what you were going to count. Uh, I, would, I would advise people not to try to do everything or in the service vehicle if you're doing that or not everything at one time because we, we went from the approach that, hey, we want to know what was on the van. Well, you can't do that. You know, uh, you're taking up a lot of time from the road techs when generating income for you. Uh, so what we would do is we, we'd want to say lock counts, you know, what locks we have on the van. You could classify that residential, commercial, whatever it would be. Uh, that that's kind of what taught us our lesson. We had to, we had to pull back a little bit and then say, if we're going to really stay up on top of this, you know, we, we need to do it in sections. And so that, that's kind of what we did. Um, and then we went from that and we tried to implement the, you know, the inventory on the uh, QuickBooks side. And as, as John mentioned, that's not successful. So we're kind of in the middle right now. I'm hoping by the, you know, no later than the first year, we switch over to a new system, have some people look into that for us to see what we can tie. David, what is, uh, what's your perspective? So maybe it's handwriting items on a bin. Maybe it's starting with a spreadsheet when that is either working or fails. What is a, what's the next step for that? Or maybe once you outgrow that process. You know, once you outgrow that, say, say we're going from John's to Joel's to the next step, you know, Personally, I would suggest barcodes. There's a lot of barcodes out there. There's a lot of different barcode methods. And, you know, we've all learned. Uh, we've, we tried barcoding the warehouse a couple times in the early years, and we just weren't ready for it, and it failed. So you have to be ready for it. There has to be a stage where you're ready to make that commitment, and you have the right people in place to help you get that, the right partner, or the right mindset, I should say, to make it work. And once we got the barcoding and we got it working and understood it, then the rest kind of fell into place. We know that, hey, if we barcode the bin, so now you have the bin barcoded and the item barcoded, it makes it easier because you can scan the bin, see what's in the barcode, in the bin, 
then you can scan the part number back to the bin. So if you want to move it, you know exactly where you moved it from and to, or if you sold it for that matter. Most definitely. And and I some of the conversations that I've had with people about barcodes is is it was too complicated. One to set up and implement and then second to manage. And the the concern with that was they were having to essentially do a lot of that in the office work. Uh, and and it was just it was kind of bogging down the process. So I think to add on to that is especially in the field, in the service industry, anything that you can do that's going to obviously connect up to that thing that we all carry around so that we have the ability to scan that and do it and make it effective. But I think to everybody's point, do it in small increments, get it, get it started, but don't be, it's cause it's an overwhelming task. You know, no matter what size of the business it is, it's an overwhelming task, but it is the best way to keep it automated. Once you put barcodes on it and it is time intensive as you get started, but the gain that you win on the back end of it is the fact that, now what I know exactly what this part is. So maybe maybe I'm a tech in the field and I don't know exactly which part this is. Maybe the the part the barcode or the part number that's on there is different than the part number in the system. Well, the barcode automatically pairs all those things together for you, so it creates a little bit more efficiencies there. And I think to Joel's point, one of the things that he said that I think is is a general consensus across our industry is you can't take time away from the field techs. They're the guys that are running the jobs. They're the guys that are generating the revenue. And my question on that, and this is where we've battled back and forth, and we are definitely not there on this level uh, for, a, uh, for the inventory. But my challenge for all of us is, is I've used the analogy before that we're, we're a speedboat going down the river, down the lake, and we've got a massive leak in the gas can, in the gas tank, but we have another somebody standing there pouring gas in, in there so that we can stay going, so that our motor can stay going, but we're pouring out more than we're putting in. And I feel that way a lot of times when it comes down to inventory is we don't know what we have, and maybe we have that part floating around on one of the 20 vans, or maybe it's sitting in the corner of the warehouse, and so we end up ordering another one because we need it right then. And so we take the urgent over the important, and then we now have extra cost because we have purchased that part twice when we didn't need to, or maybe we purchased it 10 times because you know, if it happens one time, it happens multiple times. And so we, we've, we've all said exactly that. And we all operate that way. Our field techs are the most important to generate the revenue because that's what keeps us going. And we'll, we, we uh, prioritize that a lot of times over getting it right so that we reduce our cost. Um, and I think as business owners, especially in times like right now, especially as uh, the economy is changing, everything is shifting around, we have to be focused on efficiencies that are going to reduce our operating cost and having the access to the inventory that's on our vans, but we just don't know that we have it. Having access to that inventory that's in our warehouse, we just don't know we have it, is a major detriment to the operating efficiencies of our business. So I think it's an interesting call to action. I mean, I'm preaching to myself on this. I'm preaching to myself. I think it's a major call to action to continue to focus on getting our inventory accurate because we are. I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot on a more regular basis. Thoughts? Joel, John, David? So I have one question. Uh, how many people make schedules to, main, to, to perform maintenance on their van, right? Mm -hmm. You have to maintain your van to keep it on the road, right? Rotate tires. You have to change your brakes. You have to do the oil. Inventory is just as big as part of 
that van as anything else to complete the job. So why aren't you scheduling maintenance on your inventory is the way I look at it. You can take time to say, hey, I have 30 minutes. I got to change the oil. Can you say, hey, I'm going to schedule 30 minutes just to do a cycle count on my van. So I think you have to look at it as a build it into the part of the maintenance plan of the van as well. David, yeah. you David, you could just drop the microphone and walk <laughs> off. That's that's a really good point. If we none of us, nobody would ever say we can't spend time to maintain our vans because we know if we don't maintain our vans, what's going to happen? You know, we're, they're going to be stuck on the side of the road, broke down, tires blown out, whatever. Uh, and so we do value that as something important to take action on. It's a very valid point, Joel John. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100% with David. We, we do that on a regular basis. It should be done in our inventory. Uh, I want to go back to what you said. You know, our biggest thing, we have a saying over here, but we already owned it and we already paid for it. You know, you you, you have a, a part that you don't know where it's at. It could be, it could be a, whatever, a trilogy lock. It can be a, you know, a $900 product. Well, you already paid for that. Mm. And it's sitting and it's not doing nothing. It's not making you money. In fact, like John said, it's going to be out of warranty soon. And you go ahead and order another one. Well, you just lost out on that job. You might have think you made money, but you didn't make any money. Yeah. So that for us, that's our our biggest problem, and that, that's the need for our implementing our inventory system. Very good, John. But uh, I think an inventory system that's easy to mess with is is important. So if I have something I can just scan and go, that be that would help out with this uh, periodic maintenance. Sometimes it takes an hour or two to actually go through inventory in some cases. I mean, you have multiple trucks that, that can't be a very fast process. So, Most definitely. Thank you very much for everybody's feedback. I think a big takeaway is all of the places that we order products from, all of the distributors should all have barcodes on their products for us to use and be able to give us all of that data for our systems. Right, David? Hey, I hear you. <laughs> and, you know, just a quick uh, joke on that. Uh, and Travis has heard the story a couple of times when we we're implementing our barcode system. We wanted to try to find the most universal font out there because anybody that's messed with barcodes knows there's several barcodes only work with certain guns, et cetera. I went through testing each font. I'd print them up here at work. And every night I'd go to a local grocery store and stand in their self-checkout and scan it. If one scanned, I put it in a pile. If one scanned and didn't, it went to a pile. And I got to know the, the grocery store manager very well because here comes a crazy lock security guy scanning barcodes again. But after about a week, we have one, and it's universal now. Very So every piece of product that you send out has a barcode on it? Yes. Every single product. Some of the small ones, you know, we put it on the poly bag, mm -hmm. but every single product is now getting barcoded. And you, when it comes in the, I, and we've dealt with you on some other stuff in the past. I'm, I'm imagining that you share would share that information. Yes, it's uh, the barcode's called Font Three of Nine, and it scans anywhere. So there you have it. I, it's that's a very big value add if you're utilizing some type of system or you're trying to set one up. The biggest, the biggest component of that is to actually have barcodes on your product, and if that's already being done when it, it arrives to you as a, as a uh, a dealer or an installer, then that's a big chunk of it off the bat. So very good information. Uh, I really appreciate everybody's time today. And, and I think this is, I know again for us is a challenge, uh, kind of a refocus on making sure that this is a priority in our business, uh, barcoding things, having accurate counts, 
um, and processing things in a in a very efficient and effective way. So I appreciate David, Joel, and John their time today. Uh, any closing thoughts before we we get out of here? Cool. Everybody's everybody said their piece. David, do you have anything else? No, sir. I'm good. Thank right. you. You look, you look like you were ready to go again. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all of the information today. Thank you to uh, the to HL Flake again for helping to promote this and really promoting the conversation of business practices for our businesses. As locksmith and security providers, we do a really good job providing those services to our customers. And oftentimes the actual business operation side gets kind of slid to the back of the burner. And so these are some conversations that we can have to focus on improvements in those areas. And we really are excited about it. A couple of big takeaways, finding ways to barcode things. That's going to be one of the biggest levels of efficiency and accuracy for you. Creating regular times to count your inventory, put it on the same importance level as van maintenance. You wouldn't let your van uh, go or your ve- your service vehicle go for extended periods of time without maintenance. So why do you let your inventory do that? I think is really great. And then classifying your inventory on those highest ranking items, the things that you're selling the most, the things that you're turning the most are going to be really effective components and minimizing the things that you don't sell regularly. A couple of key takeaways for today and things that we can tactically put into place. Again, thank you to HL Flake for helping to support this and sponsor this and get the information out there. They are for the locksmith, and they have definitely proven that once again. We will see you next Thursday here on the Roundtable Security Professional Business Roundtable Discussion thing. Whatever it says here on the bottom, we'll be here next week to talk about it at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Have a great day.